0: Back to this pro rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Presented by Bridge Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, Robin Hood becomes a target and the next front in Washington's fight against big tech. But first, that should have been the theme song for Michael Bloomberg's campaign, which formally ended this morning. After the former New York City mayor failed to win a single one of the 14 states that voted yesterday during Super Tuesday. Yeah, he got American Samoa and some delegates here and there. But the upshot is that as I record this, Bloomberg is preparing to publicly explain why he's endorsing Joe Biden for president. Why it matters is that Bloomberg's campaign proves you cannot buy elections. You just can't. Money can and certainly does help you win elections, but it can't be the primary force. Now the numbers here are just staggering. Bloomberg is estimated to have spent around $600 million on his campaign over what was really just around 100 days. For context, Donald Trump's entire 2016 campaign, primaries in general included, are estimated to have spent less than $400 million. Now, Bloomberg has pledged to direct his massive machine to support the eventual nominee, whether Biden or Sanders, although it looks like Biden will be the initial beneficiary. The questions now are exactly how that will work and what future campaigns will learn from Bloomberg's failure. We'll discuss all that and more in 15 seconds with Axios co-founder Mike Allen. But first, this. The Equity Fund Resources Group at Bridgebank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, Bridgebank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem. Meet with our team at this year's Women's Private Equity Summit in Dana Point, California, March 11th through the 13th. Bridgebank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridgebank, be bold, venture wisely. We're joined now by Axios co-founder Mike Allen. As of last check, Michael Bloomberg had gotten about 1.6 million votes yesterday, which means that he spent around $365 per voter. In political terms, is that kind of the worst bargain we have ever seen from a presidential candidate?
1: Yeah, the worst in history. We calculated that no one has ever spent more in politics to get less. So not a single State Mike Bloomberg has the mighty American Samoa to show for the 566 million half billion that he spent on ads, 200 some million that he spent on Super Tuesday states. Why does it matter? We've learned that you can buy yourself into the top tier. You can buy yourself name recognition. Attention! What you cannot buy is a connection with the American people. You can't buy a personality for debate. You cannot buy a connection, a fever that will make people want to go out and vote for you to take a chance on you.
0: You've been covering politics for a while. Is this partially the rise of social media in the sense of maybe 20 years ago, being able to dominate paid advertising, particularly on broadcast television and cable television, would have mattered so much more then than it does now when so many of us are getting our news via Facebook and Twitter and kind of so-called earned media?
1: No, I think that that is a great point. And what we saw with his ads was an effort to emulate the Trump magic. So one of the Trump precepts is that if people see you everywhere, they take you more seriously, that it gives you a validity, a credibility, a plausibility. And we saw that in the 80s all the time the president was coming up in New York. We saw that with The Apprentice, which was so popular on NBC in Middle America. So Trump had a ubiquity that helped him. And the Bloomberg campaign said, well, let's buy that. We'll buy up all these ads. We'll be everywhere, especially on NFL games, right? Because live sports is one of the last things that we watch in real time. So regional NFL, national NFL, Bloomberg was everywhere. In fact, a funny story, I went to visit the uh, Bloomberg campaign headquarters in Times Square, and... I was walking through their offices and every campaign has the TVs tuned to cable news, right? It took me a second to realize these weren't turned to cable news because they were endless loops of Mike Bloomberg ads. And that's what cable news seemed to look like these days.
0: Fair enough. Very fair. Mike, let me just take you back for a minute. You know, there was a perception when Mike Bloomberg got into the race, which was two days after Deval Patrick and Bloomberg did better than him. But there was a perception, at least, that they had both gotten in, in part because they'd kind of gotten the blessing of Barack Obama, who was concerned about about Joe Biden and felt there had to be an alternative, a viable alternative to Bernie Sanders. So if Bloomberg was wrong, was Obama also wrong?
1: I don't know about Obama, but what I can tell you is that Bloomberg for sure thought that Biden was failing. He had promised off camera probably to Biden. He had definitely indicated to Biden that he would not get in as long as Biden was viable. And so when I did an interview with Vice President Biden for Axios on HBO in Storm Lake, Iowa before the caucuses. I said, no, How does it make you feel that Mike Bloomberg, by getting in, is saying that you're not? Bible. It was one of many bets that Bloomberg made that wasn't right. And we ticked him off in Axios today. He thought Biden was toast. That clearly was not true. He thought Democrats would say, "Okay, the most important thing is beating Trump. And he stuck to that as his message. I'll be seen as the electable one. Not true. He said, well, can I buy support with TV ads and avoid tough interviews? Turned out to be an epic miscalculation, because right then he turned out to be fine in interviews. He actually did well in his interviews. It was in the debate where he was terrible. If he had done more interviews, if he'd been out there getting reps, getting a little batting practice, he might have felt more comfortable. And to the very end, I was so surprised. He definitely, I think, said the inside voice part out loud. When yesterday, He said to our reporter, Elena Treen, and others when they were traveling in Florida, he said that the only way that he could win would be a brokered or contested convention. That is, someone goes into the convention with a plurality of delegates, but not a mathematical lock or a majority. Then it turns to wheeling and dealing, as my mother would say. And Bloomberg, who had all these connections to mayors, governors, local officials, might have an advantage over Bernie. Biden might have an advantage over Bernie because of the Obama-Biden machine. Once
0: again, a bet that turned out to be totally wrong. I assure his great company. Do not go to Vegas with him. Bloomberg had pledged weeks ago, if he were not to win the nomination, that he was going to put all of his resources, including his team, who he's promised to pay through the end of the year, toward whoever that nominee was, even if it were Bernie Sanders. He's today endorsing Joe Biden how would it actually work? Do you have any sense of the mechanics? How does Mike Bloomberg put his resources toward the Biden campaign?
1: The Bloomberg machine has a Bloomberg machine that was built for the midterm elections. They figured out how to target key districts and were very successful and helpful to House Democrats in 2018. I suspect that it takes a little bit of that form. For one thing, this has been a little bit kind of misreported. I wouldn't say all the resources. He will put resources to it if it were him. I think it's fair to assume that he would spend more. And there was some debate about Senator Sanders would even accept his resource. And I think he might be happy to have him not accept that. But assuming it's Biden and we're going to have to figure out the legalities of this because, as you know, it's very technical what you can do for
0: a campaign. Right. He can't just send him a check for 200 million dollars.
1: Yeah, so I suspect that this will be a shadow parallel DNC, essentially, that is controlled by Bloomberg forces, that Bloomberg gets credit for, and where job one is... House Democrats probably job two. Senate Democrats and maybe job three is Democratic president. And they'll say jobs one through three is replacing Trump. They
0: all speak to each other, right? Absolutely. And, and so, first lesson is money can't buy you elections. Lesson number two probably will be some sort of campaign finance law, which comes out of whatever the hell happens over the next six months with Bloomberg and Biden.
1: We've talked from the beginning about this, this is a great political science experiment. People have talked in the abstract forever about whether you could buy an election. And 10, 12 years or more, the Bloomberg people in particular have been talking about, like, could you do this? So exactly what the money did, what the shortfalls were, like what the how it could have been redirected or what the roads not taken were will be a fascinating field of study and will be
0: way, 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 way over-examined. Mike Allen, who every morning writes Axios AM newsletter, which you can get at signup.axios.com. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you, Dan. My final two right after this. The Equity Fund Resource Group at Bridge Bank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, BridgeBank now offers services for funds, SBICs, and general partners, including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two, and first up is Robinhood, the popular no fee stock trading app that is having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad week. In case you missed it, Robinhood basically crashed on Monday, meaning that it's 10 million or so users were completely unable to trade during what became the Dow's single biggest point gain in history. It also was down for the first two hours of trading yesterday, with the company subsequently issuing a general explanation about how its system was unable to handle massive market volatility in concert with a surge in trading volume and new signups. No explicit apology, nor a promise for a third party audit nor a promise that it won't happen again. Why this matters for the company is twofold. First, Robinhood is almost certain to face lawsuits. Anyone who tried to log in on Monday will be able to claim that they were denied the ability to make lots of money. Two, Robinhood is arguably responsible for all of its older, stodgier peers moving into the no-fee trading space. This has contributed to some pretty major consolidation, like Charles Schwab agreeing to buy TD Ameritrade and Morgan Stanley agreeing to buy E-Trade. Speculation was that Robinhood, which venture capitalists most recently valued at $7.6 billion, would be the next company to get takeover offers. But now that would almost certainly be on hold. And finally, D.C. lawmakers are turning their attention to the proliferation of counterfeit goods being sold online, including via big platforms like Amazon. Axios's Margaret Harding McGill reports that two House committees raised the issue this week, with leaders of the House Judiciary Committee introducing a bipartisan bill that could hold online marketplaces responsible for trademark infringement. And specifically in that bill, at issue are goods with health or safety risks, which typically are products that get sold by third parties. The bottom line, this is yet another front in Washington's efforts to rein in big tech. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great National Pound Cake Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro ProRata podcast.